Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. So um, today, I want to talk about a question that was only really kind of touched on pretty briefly in our last conversation, but one that I think just merits a lot more conversation. It's just been kind of like beating me over the head to have this conversation. I guess the universe has been conspiring um, to to me talking some more about this, um, and it's it. And it starts with um, the conversation about Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I, I do want to kind of note that I wanted to make sure to make this recording before the final vote was taking place because I don't really want to be able to be accused of, well, you know, you're just making this because you're upset or disagree with this final vote. Um, this conversation isn't going to be about Judge Kavanaugh or uh, about the many things that this implies in terms of, you know, judges who are, you know, willing to undermine honest inquiry and, and things like that, you know, or the partisan nature of, of our entire system, you know, the failures of our system um, to protect victims, right? We're not going to really talk about that. We're going to talk more directly, specifically about sexual assault, but it is going to, there's a question, there's a motivating question that's just been knocking around in my head that I'm trying to understand which is um, how is it that about 55, 56% of self-identified Republicans support Judge Kavanaugh being on the Supreme Court even if he actually did commit sexual assault. And so that's interesting because ignoring the fact that this also means that he's perjured himself like repeatedly. Um, <clears throat> this also means that they're not saying that this is someone who would have needed to have been like, yes, I did this and I'm deeply, you know, it's haunted me my entire life. And, and to be honest, this is part of why I've spent my life working in, in law is to try and protect people like Dr. Ford over here who I have wronged. You know, it, it's not that. It's not, or a, you know, it's not a, you know, I was a different person when I was uh, drunk and young and this is a battle that I had to fight of self-improvement and it clearly it's had its victims. You know, th this isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about an unrepentant rapist. So, so what that means is, and, and I can't be sure that, you know, I can't speak for, for other people, but it seems to me to suggest that, you know, okay, so 55% of Republicans and no doubt there's some percentage of Democrats, self-identified Democrats who would think similarly, but I don't know what the, the stats are on that. Think that an unrepentant rapist should serve on the Supreme Court. So, whoa, right? <laughs> I don't, yeah. So, okay, so let's begin with, um, so there should just be a disclaimer here. But even with that, you know, people still come up to you afterwards and say, this was really difficult for me. And it, you know, so first of all, it just places me in this horrible position. Not, it's not their fault. It, it just, this realization that if I don't talk about it, I'm ignoring a really important issue when it, you know, when it comes up in the right time in our conversations, something, you know, that could prevent one, something that could help somebody understand that, you know, rape has a much broader definition and assault has a much broader definition than a lot of people realize, um, particularly young men. 
So if I say nothing about it, I'm complicit in helping perpetuate a social system of violence and sexual violence and sexual violence against women in particular. But if I do say something about it, there's this intellectual sense in which I'm victimizing a victim, you know, who perhaps feels like they don't have a choice but to sit there and have to like relive it. And there's really just no forgiving me for that. It, I just have not been able to resolve that particular issue other than by, you know, giving, um, giving a disclaimer. And even then, I don't think it necessarily absolves me one way or the other. But um, the thing of note to bring up here is the fact that if that happens every time or every time to my recollection, I mean, think about it, you have classes of 25, 30 people or so. I mean, that, that's one person on average in every class that is willing to come up to their teacher and say, I was a victim. I mean, that's just mind blowing. I mean, so that isn't the number of people who were assaulted. That's the number of people who are willing to say something about it, you know? So this is happening a lot. And I feel like our social response, because it tends to be a lot of cases, seem to be cases that, you know, men are, are or, or males are the ones who are doing the assaulting. There's this social pushback against victims because so many men are saying things like, well, I haven't, I haven't done that or I wouldn't do that. You know, this person's making up these kinds of things. They're just trying to make men feel bad about themselves. They're trying to make all men sound like rapists. And, and I mean, it's interesting because there is a certain level of that because some of the people who are proponents of, you know, saying even if he did sexually assault her, he should be on the Supreme Court. I mean, some of the people who talk about it, women, who will talk about the reasoning why, and they'll say, well, you know, what do you expect from 18-year-old boys? And, I, I mean, I like to think better than being rapists, <laughs> you know? Like, I I mean, I, I'm going to make no claim to being any kind of saint, and I'm going to make no claim to have never made anyone uncomfortable in my life. I'm certainly going to make no, no claim to never have ha had ever done anything wrong in my life. Um, these are all, you know, things that I have to carry with me that, that remind me that I need to spend the rest of my life trying to do better. I can honest, I can honestly say though, I'm just overwhelmingly insulted by this proposition that, well, what do you expect from 18 year old men? Like as if, you know, all guys out there are, are being rapists. And, and what's funny is, is like, there's so many men who are mad, you know, so many people in these like manist movements and stuff like that who are mad that they're being depicted in these ways. There's a lot of people out there who just kind of want to have their cake and eat it too and say like, we shouldn't be depicted like that. You know, we're not these terrible people. And then at the same time, it's like, well, what do you expect? You know, we're men and men have to do man things. And apparently one of those things is like, be rapey. And... So I'm just floored by that. Um, so talking about the numbers, just the numbers are so much worse than most people want to acknowledge. And there's people who are finding out, especially now with this whole thing going down with Brett Kavanaugh, there's more and more fathers, there's more and more 
husbands, there's, there's more and more people who are finding out that their daughters or that women in their lives have been assaulted because I think a fair number of women are maybe hearing like men in their lives go, well, you know, this is really unfair to Kavanaugh. What are the chances that this really did happen? Because they themselves are, I, I, I like to think maybe, hopefully, right? The kinds of guys who would never do anything remotely close to that or, and not associate with people who would. So they just can't imagine that it's that bad out there. And so the women in their lives are like, well, look, here's what happened to me. And then there's become questions of like, there's, you know, men who are like, why, why aren't my daughters telling me about this? You know, and, and, and the reasons range from like, I wanted to protect you. I, you know, you're sensitive and it would hurt you, you know, and you love me to, I didn't want you to go and, and kill the guy. <laughs> so the issue becomes one of, we have, we have women who are trying to, to come out and say something about it. And there's men who are kind of responding with, well, I can't imagine that this is the case. But to be very frank, at least anecdotally, in my own experience, in my own life, I've had an appalling number of women and, 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 and some men too, um, tell me about being sexually assaulted. Um, that includes my mother. Um, I mean, I remember the first time I heard a narrative about it from another person, um, who wasn't my mom and I was in high school. I remember exactly where I was sitting when she told me, you know, that her grandfather had touched her when she was a girl and had given her reasons for not saying anything about it. And, um, I mean, it just kind of has just gone on for there. I mean, I feel like if I did a count, not just a, like, not just like a, a majority, but a significant majority of the women I know have been assaulted. They would be, and, 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 and not even like, like what people would consider like minor league assault, you know, which I think is a, a really unfair way to think about things. And we'll talk about that briefly, but where there've been like, yeah, I mean, I was molested or, you know, my, um, gym teacher did blah, 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 you know, like, just so many horror stories. I mean, it's just story after story. And so I, I, I don't think that this hash to, hashtag Me Too movement is just some sort of like aggressive anti-man thing. I think it's kind of just taking the um, veil off of our eyes, so to speak. So... <clears throat> Let's talk briefly about um, how complex an issue this really is, because what we haven't really done is kind of come, to, come together as a society and said, okay, look, um, what the heck is going on here? I mean, I've mentioned this before, because it's just to me mind blowing. The statistics being something like one out of every four, one out of five, one out of three, depending on where you are, but you know, like worldwide and here in the United States, about one out of every four-ish women are 
sexually assaulted in their lifetime. And, you know, if like one out of every four people in the country had the flu, we would call it a flu epidemic, but no one's talking about the rape epidemic. And I, I really, really, really wish we could. I mean, we can't get any legislation passed to help protect women who are disproportionately affected by sexual violence. We, you know, just Congress won't do anything about it, but we have this like huge number and we've, it's just so normalized. We just don't even think about it. And to be, to, to be honest, I think it's normalized because we're literally just talking about thousands of years of, of abusing women and abusing women sexually, you know, whether, you know, we're, we're sewing their vaginas shut or putting them in harems or just the fact that the word husband, I in this, I guess, morbid way, when, when we talk about some of these issues in a class, I like to have my students look up the word husband. Because there's a fair number of stuff that shows that women have been property for a very long time. That's obvious, you know, like when a woman's given away, like who gives this woman away? Like you can't give away people, you give away property. And that's all a vestige of the fact that, you know, people used to be able to pay off their debts using, you know, um, livestock, um, precious metals or gems or women. Um, you know, stuff like the rule of thumb, you know, you, you, you can't beat your wife with a stick thicker than your thumb, stuff like that, you know, stuff like that. A lot of stuff people already know, but people don't think about like fairly obvious stuff like the word husband. And so I tell my students, look up, look up the word husband and define it. Like what, what else does husband mean? And I specifically say, look up husbandry and you find out that <laughs> husbandry means like, you know, basically like the, the care and raising of, of livestock and agriculture, right? I mean, cause there's this idea that a husband is someone who husbands their wives and their families, right? They go and they take care of it and they help cultivate it and they help grow it, but they also own it. You know, all of that is, I think, really interesting insofar as probably the reason why this is normalized is, is not because it's becoming normalized, but because it's been normalized, right? Women have been saying for a very long time, you know, like mothers have been taking daughters and prepping them for what's about to happen on the wedding night and tell them, listen, you probably won't enjoy it. It'll probably be painful, but here's what you have to do. And then those, you know, daughters have to be able to show the blood on their sheets to be able to prove that they were virgins on, you know, like women have had to just kind of like bind together in the quiet and in the dark to support each other through what has been a, a history of sexual assault against women. And I don't think that we should be afraid of talking about that. I don't think that it's anti-man to talk about that. I think it actually enables us and empowers us to talk about sexual assault against men too because it definitely happens. And if I talk about it in a class, if I say, okay, look, and look, men are raped too, students will start to laugh, no joke. And, 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 and if I, and I'll be like, what's funny about this, you know? And they're just like, oh, you know, guys, you know, raping other guys. I'm like, okay, first of all, there's absolutely nothing that's funny about that. But in addition to that, I'm not just talking about men raping other men. I'm talking about women can rape men. Women can sexually abuse men, women can, and they just crack up. They just crack up, men and women both. They just think it's super funny. And I'm like, how is this even funny? And so there really is this emergent sexism against men. By that, what I mean is, is like, if a man is being beaten by his wife and he calls the police, he's much more likely to be arrested than she is. 
And I think sometimes people use that as example of sexism against men. Well, sure, this is it's in the same way that, you know, we laugh at men who want to become florists or men who are nurses are treated really terribly, not just by other men, but by the other female nurses. Yeah, these are all sexisms against men, but they emerge by my guess is they emerge from the fact that we have so much disdain for anything feminine that if something is so awesome as a man, um, allows itself to be feminized, we really, really, really just hate it. And we go, oh, okay, well, you want to be feminized, you know? So that's why it's okay for um, a wife to come to bed in her husband's, you know, button-down shirt, that's kind of sexy. But if the husband comes to bed wearing his wife's blouse, that's funny because he's being feminized and that scene is like lowering him. Comes out in our language and we've talked about that as well. You know, the fact that pretty much every curse word we have um, raises uh, men up or puts women down in a certain sense. You know, so in other words, all of the worst things you can call men are usually, like the worst things you can call men are usually feminine things, and the worst things you can usually call women are also feminine things. Or you can just insult a woman by calling her a woman, like, oh my God, you're being such a woman right now. So the, the issue ends up being one of, I think in these cases where you see like, okay, the husband is arrested though he's being beaten by his wife. I think it's because we've actually created a culture that's basically decided that women are too weak to be able to actually do harm to men. And that if men are assaulted or something like that, that they deserve it. Hence why in prisons, right? When, when usually it's the rapist, excuse me, usually it's the victim, not the rapist who's called gay in, um, in prisons where if a man rapes another man, in, in the prison because it's a sign of dominance, right? And so the person who's treated as gay is the person who, and we'll put this in quotes, like allowed themselves to be feminized. Anyways, I, I, I digress. The point being then that um, yes, sexism against men happens. No, it's not okay. And I think in fact, it's evidence to our like deep seated willingness to treat women and those things that we've decided are feminine poorly and as if they are somehow deserving of sexual assault. I mean, the, the real problem is, is there's this idea of like entitlement to women's bodies and what they do with them. And historically speaking, this probably just comes from a very, 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 very long line of controlling women's bodies specifically because, I mean, my theory is, is that Women know when they give birth to a kid that the kid's theirs. It's really hard to argue that fact. Men don't. And so as soon as you have the advent of private property, and this, this seems to be historically true, as soon as you have the advent of private property, all of a sudden you have this concern of, well, if I'm not leading a nomadic lifestyle, if I'm spending you know all day long working on this land here, well, I'm really concerned now that, um, that my children are actually my children. And so you have to do something to make sure that those women, it, you know, that, 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 that your wife or whatnot is in fact actually giving birth to your child. And the only way to be sure of that, especially back in the day, was to lock her up. And this connection between women and land and, and this idea that women are property and that women um, are somehow less valuable if they've had sex with someone else. I think all of these things tie together and you can see that again in our language, like the fact that you could talk, you know, you see like a lot of seed language in terms of uh, men's sperm and stuff like that. Um, 
biblically, for instance, but also the fact that you can use language like um, he's plowing her, right? Well, plowing is something you do to land, right? And to plant seeds in. So, I'm not saying it doesn't happen to men. I'm not saying that isn't problematic. I'm not saying we shouldn't also address that. I'm just saying I genuinely think that if we start recognizing how poorly we think of women and how embedded their, their, their supposed weakness is in our social consciousness and how we kind of think that they should acquiesce and look how often in our media and our, you know, whether it's novels or movies or whatever, how often there's this idea that men should be pushy. And if they're pushy, they'll eventually get where they want to go. Those kinds of things. Like, I mean, no wonder women, why women are being creeped out because we're basically kind of encouraging this idea well, well men are predators you know and women are prey and i for one am very uncomfortable with that and i've expressed that concern to some people and some people like get it and other people have been like well but that's the just natural order of thing you know that's because of the way sp sp sperm are far more frequent than eggs and so on and so forth so of course men but we don't have to be slaves to our biology either even if that is the case but this idea that um, women can't be as powerful or in is charge or whatever else because sperm is cheap and eggs are expensive. I mean, there's been matriarchal societies and my understanding is, is that when we were nomadic, you know, before the advent of, we'll put this in a quotes, civilization, um, those nomads were matriarchal. So, um, the point then being that what if our society is actually raising young men to be predatory? I mean, all I know is, is if I go into a classroom and I say, you know, it would be nice if uh, women were also willing to ask men out and the women, many of them will be like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. They need to come to me. Well, that also promotes the idea that men should be out there like stalking, you know, <laughs> they should be out there hunting, you know, while the woman, the prize is just sitting there. And, um, I don't think that that helps the issue at all. And you see this with this idea of like men's power to look at women and why this makes so many women uncomfortable. And it's funny because men will be like, I don't know why they're uncomfortable with things I might say or look at them. You know, I'm not actually touching them. What's the big deal? But notice a lot of times those same men would be like, listen, if that gay man looks at me, I'll hit him. In fact, I used to know a guy uh, who talked about like he hit a good friend of his because the guy like made a pass at him. He's like, yeah, I punched him in the face and I feel completely justified in that. But we don't seem to feel like women would be justified in like, listen, the next, you know, if you if you look at me like that or you say something untoward towards me, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like we seem a bit uncomfortable with that. But men will say that it's okay for men to hit other men for looking at them in a certain way, right? Um. So I want to touch on, I guess, because I mean, I'm just going for, on far too long and I'm not sure I'm doing any good, but I guess I want to touch on some of these supposed lesser aspects of social, uh, sexual assault and I want to talk about them on a personal level. I want to talk about things that have happened to me. So, um, there's no question by my lights, in my own personal experience, that sex and sexuality can be used as a means by which to make someone feel bad about themselves. Just because you're sexualizing someone doesn't mean you're treating them with respect. It doesn't mean that you're going to make them feel good about themselves or anything like that. Quite the contrary. It seems to me that the way that we sexualized women uh, is often going to make them feel bad. And I know this only because I've gotten small glimpses into it in my own personal experience. I mean, I remember being in middle school and, you know, men, 
you know, the, the, the cool guys who I definitely was not would have like their super hot girlfriends, like go touch me, you know, I'd be standing in line or something and they'd like touch my butt or something like that. And just to kind of make me feel bad. And it did. It just made me feel bad about myself. I wasn't like, oh, yay, an attractive woman's touching me. Like, I knew what it was about. I knew what was happening. And I knew that I was being told that I don't really have control over who's touching me. And I also knew that I was being told that I wasn't really worth being touched. Um, I've also been in circumstances in a relationship with someone about whom I care a great deal, you know, who I was made to feel uncomfortable because that person didn't always hear me when I was like, no, you know, and it doesn't mean that they ever like were like physically aggressive, but even that pushing, if it's verbal or, or also like, and, or, you know, like mildly physical, like, no, you know, I'm, I, I'm not feeling up to it or whatever. Um, it can make someone feel really bad about themselves. And Again, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that there's not lots of shades of gray and complexity here and that people in relationships don't, you know, have certain levels. I don't say this really timidly, but like certain levels of responsibility to each other and each other's welfare. And that includes the sexual health of their relationship. I also will say like, no means no, like that's the deal, you know, and if that's a relationship ender, well, then that that needs to be clear because what we don't want to do is, is revert back to the fact that it used to be legal to rape your wife. And that wasn't even that long ago. It was legal to rape your wife. I mean, the last state in the union, I think it was maybe, uh, what, 10 years ago, finally made it like illegal, illegal in all cases to rape your wife. So we don't owe each other, each other's bodies. We just don't. We might owe each other a conversation, you know, in our relationships about how we're going to proceed and what's okay and what's not. And then as a re result, there's all these beautiful different kinds of relationships and sexualities and people, ways that people engage in things. And that's, that's great. But these are conversations. These are not things that happen because people just won't listen to each other. And I'll admit in that circumstance, it made me feel the way that A man who was very close to me must have felt when his wife used to hit him and say, well, you have to take it because you're a big fat man. Again, I think this idea, well, you know, a, a woman can't really do any harm, but it, it made me feel like as a man that I couldn't really do anything about it, that there was this expectation of sexuality from me. And it's like, come on, you're a man. Of course you want to do this. Um... Then in my older years, uh, bearded as I am now, uh, I was at, yeah, I was having a party at my house and, um, there was a young man there, the, uh, probably 25 or something like that. And, and, and there was a, a couple of, of, of men who there, there's lots of different people, but a, a couple of these guys I didn't know, and they just so happened to be gay. And, uh, one of them really took a shine to me, which is, by the way, quite complimentary. You know, I, I don't get much attention. So, you know, people saying, oh, I love your beard. You know, that's awesome. You know, thank you. Um, but like he was very insistent about getting to kiss me and um, I did not want to kiss him. And he kept putting his hands on me and eventually backed me up against the door to my own house in trying to 
trying to kiss me and I'm trying to kind of like say, you know, just be really clear, Leonard, this is not, I'm not interested, you know, so on and so forth. And other people have to actually remove him. Now, granted, he was quite inebriated, but I cannot begin to express what a terrible feeling that was. And here's why. Um, it was a terrible feeling because I'm not the kind of person who likes to hurt other people. And I think that's actually why a lot of women who are now accused of, well, why didn't you just hit the person who was trying to touch you or whatever? First of all, you don't know in all of these cases necessarily where it's going. You don't know for sure if the, how far the person is going to take you or try and push the issue. But for me, in my case, people might be like, well, why didn't you just like beat the heck out of the guy? Well, because I actually really don't like hurting people. And I don't, I was genuine, genuinely concerned about hurting this person's feelings, not just hurting their bodies. And so it gave me a sense, it gave me the smallest, smallest glimpse into maybe what women are talking about where they're like, I did not know what to do when this person came onto me. And so in my case, like there was just this terrible feeling of like, I don't know how to get out of this without doing other, other people harm and to, how, how to do another person harm. And yet at the same time, it was like, it was questioning my masculinity. There's, it was easily something that people could be viewed as like, I didn't try hard enough, but I also, by the way, felt really, really trapped and assaulted because there I am pressed against a door being touched by someone I don't want to be touched by. And there was another incident that I had again, years later, I was out dancing in a club and I was, it's funny cause I was just telling my students about this the other day. Uh, I was just, I just danced by myself. I love to dance. And I'm, I'm there dancing, right? Um, I don't have any other people who are currently paying any attention to me, and I don't want to be in the throng of bodies. I'm specifically outside of the throng of bodies because a whole bunch of sweaty people up on me is not my thing. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, for me, super uncomfortable, all right? I kind of have a personal space thing. So anyway, so I'm there just doing my thing, and um, all of a sudden, someone slaps me on the butt. And I look over and I see these women like giggling, laughing, I don't know. And well, that just brought me all the way back to middle school for one. Um, now, when I talk, you know, when I told my students about this, they just laughed. They just thought it was so funny. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It made me feel really bad. Like it made me feel really, really bad. Like, first of all, I didn't tell anyone that they had any right to touch me, period, at all. I didn't invite anyone to. I wasn't like dancing up on someone. If which, by the way, doesn't count as inviting someone to touch you. I, I think you understand what I mean. I wasn't like dancing up and being handsy, right? I, w I was not inviting anyone to touch me in any way. I was dancing by myself. And <clears throat> all of a sudden, people felt like they had the right to touch my body and then to do it and to laugh. So what am I in? I'm in a position now where I don't know if they're doing it if they're laughing because I'm attractive or laughing because, oh, way back in middle school, it's funny to make fun of the short little guy who's not that cute. I don't know. All I know is, is at that particular moment, I didn't have a say over who touched me. And that was a really bad feeling. And, and these things are not, these aren't what a lot of people are describing. You know, like, I, I don't want to minimize anything that happened, has happened to anyone. Um, I am also aware that I've only had a couple of these things happen to me and I got out of them largely unscathed. But I know people have things that literally cause them post-traumatic stress disorder. I really feel like 
the Me Too movement needs to start including more of not just this has happened to Me Too, but Me Too, I am willing to try and do something to stop it. I don't want it to happen to my daughter. I don't want it to happen to sister, my sister. I don't want it to happen to my mother. And I also don't want it to happen to my son or my brother or my nephew. This idea that it's okay to be dominant and to force our dominance on other people through sexuality has got to stop. And what's sad is it seems like the only way that we're willing to do so like uh, to, to, to start making motions to stop it is, is through more dominance and, and, and violence. Like it's like the only thing that people are willing to hear. If people like gently say, you know, this stuff is happening and needs to stop, people are like, well, you obviously don't care much, that much about it. And if people start like protesting and picketing heavily and so on and so forth, then people <laughs> are telling them that, to grow up, right? And, oh, you know, you're just, you know, screaming in the elevator. And it's like, no, People are screaming because no one's listening or no one, very few people who have the ability to do anything about it are listening. But I, let me at least say this. Maybe this is where I should end it because I will say this. To the people to whom these things have happened in whatever way that they, they've happened to you, as an imperfect person who is flawed and has not always done right, I can say, there are people who are listening to you. There are those of us who are hearing you. There are those of us who are genuinely, genuinely hoping that they're in their own small ways to be able to do something about it. But at, 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 the, very, at the very least, you are heard. You are not just screaming out in the dark. You, you matter. All right. Well, with that, I, I hope you all have a wonderful week.